So if you held up, say like um, the insides of toilet paper rolls, those little cardboard things, two of those right in front of your eyes. That's Jason Romero. He's a visually impaired ultra runner that we had on the show back in March. That's what I see. So I only see directly what's in front of me. When we last spoke, he was about to undertake an enormous project. I texted my mom and I said, I'm going to run across America. And within like five seconds, she texted back and said, I'm in. You're listening to Mountain Meister, the podcast that explores the minds of those who explore. I am your host, Ben Shank. Jason successfully completed the run across America. And in this episode, we're going to be catching up with him to see how everything went. If you haven't heard the original episode, it's number 171 called All About Adapting. Highly recommend you go check that out. But if you haven't, it's okay. You're still going to understand what we're talking about here. This episode of Mountain Meister is supported by Big Agnes for your summer adventures. Big Agnes has your back supported. Their brand new line of air chamber sleeping bags is so supportive that you'll forget you're only a few inches away from the ground. My personal favorite is the Q-Core SLX. It has I-beam construction, which reduces the shear forces and distributes weight for 20% off of sleeping pads or Really, whatever else you want at BigAgnes.com. Use the code MEISTER at checkout. Hello? Hey, it's Ben. Hey, Ben. I caught up with Jason over the phone about a month after he finished the run. Back in March, uh, I set out from Santa Monica Pier for a 3,000-plus mile run across America to the Atlantic Ocean. I was able to get across America in... Just under 60 days, average 59 and a half miles a day with no days off, and uh, uh, became the first legally blind person to run across America. That's amazing. And I, I, I wanted to do a by the numbers. You took three numbers from me there, over 3,000 miles, uh, 51 and a half miles a day, a little under 60 days. You also had 6 million steps. <laughs> That's right. And uh, I'm still feeling every single one of those steps. It was, really? it was, it was, yeah. For for a full month after the run, my feet were numb, like literally numb. It was the strangest thing. I'd walk around on numb feet. And then after about a month, they started tingling. And now I have a uh, sensation back. So I, I would, even though I've forgotten some of the journey, I kind of blocked it out. Uh, those steps, I've remembered every, every uh, one of those six million steps. I've wondered how long it takes people to recover from something like this. You're still recovering? Oh, yeah. I'm Absolutely. I'm still not back to full running. I'm maybe like at 75 or 80%. And, um, you know, I when I finished, I didn't have any horrific injuries. People saw me and they said, wow, you don't even look like you've ran. Um, and that was on the outside. When I tried to run, it's really a slow hobble. And, um, you know, there's just a ton of, I think, internal aches and pains. And really the biggest thing, I think, has been just, the mental and the physical exhaustion and fatigue for probably about two weeks afterward, it was just nonstop sleep. And that was for me and my mom, both my mom was, you know, the sole crew member and she was just as exhausted, um, as I was. But as far as running form, I'm, you know, still not back there yet. I have a race at the end of September, Spartathlon, and, uh, I'm training hard, hopefully hoping that I'll be back uh, in time to be able to get that one done. To put six million steps into perspective, um, I've had a Fitbit, and anybody who knows me knows that I'm very passionate about getting my step count as high as possible. 
So I've had this thing for over two years, and my uh, step total for the time that I've had it is 12 million steps. So you got six million steps in two months. I have 12 million steps in over two years. That's that's quite impressive. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of moving. A lot of moving. That's How awesome. many pairs of shoes did you go through? Uh, we ended up going through 28 pairs of Hoka's, and that was actually really interesting because back at home when I train and I'm just doing my normal running, I can take a pair of Hoka's up to a thousand miles. And during this run, I was only getting a hundred to 150 miles out of the shoes. Hmm. And, um, I, I attribute that to the fact that, you know, I was running on roads and most of those roads were cambered. So they were sloped. And if you're doing 50 miles one way every day against traffic, what you end up doing is you end up wearing out one shoe, whichever side is on the upslope. And, I, you know, the shoe would just be destroyed after that. And my body was so fragile, I really couldn't, you know, push the shoe much past 100, 150 miles. So you're saying that the road was slanted. So if the road was slanted left to right, your left shoe would uh, get more of a beating or your right shoe? Yeah. So I would be running against traffic most of the time uh-huh. on the white line. And my right shoe, my out, outer right heel would be totally shaved off. So uh-huh. if you looked at the... Because I would scrape that that leg. Yeah, right. Um, and then when I was able to switch over to the other side of the road, it would have the same thing would happen to the left shoe, and that would be you know, on on larger roads where my mom could drive behind me and block for me. Um, but I would never run with traffic behind me if she wasn't blocking for me. Gotcha. And does that yeah. cause any sort of injury having an uneven road surface? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it, it was nonstop injury. I I ran the thing totally injured. But the other thing I realized is, as I would treat and heal one injury, my body would heal itself, and another one would crop up, and it was just a continuing game of, um, yeah, you know, roulette of injuries, if you will. Um, what happened with me when I was running against traffic on that slope road? My left uh, hamstring tie-in, and sometimes my my uh, left calf tie-in into the knee would become strained, and that's because I think the leg was whipping forward. It was almost hyperextending because it wasn't hitting the road as quickly as the right leg. And then when I switched over the other side, the same thing would happen. I'd end up with a hamstring injury on the other leg. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just treated the injury. I treated him with uh, Rock Tape, one of my sponsors. It was, it was phenomenal. I, if you saw me, you know, I was all taped up, but I would tape the injury and, uh, you know, I sit, do a bunch of recovery stuff, but I would continue running. I wouldn't stop. And within a period of like three, four days, it would heal. It was amazing. Then I'd take off the tape and I'd be like, brand new. Wow. Okay. Hottest temperature and coldest temperature? Hottest temperature, I think, was in the mid-90s in Arizona. And the coldest temperature, I think, was uh, just right about 30 degrees with <laughs> rain and a lot of wind, and it was a nasty day, and that was probably one of my hardest days. What was so hard about it besides the weather? Emotionally, was it difficult? You know, um, the mental aspect was the toughest part of the run. You know, physically, for the first three weeks, your body gets broken in, and you there's just a lot of injury, there's a lot of pain, and you get to a real pain threshold, you know, just basically a certain amount of pain, and it can't get any worse and you get used to it and then you get accustomed to it. And then what happens is it's a mental game and you just start thinking about the, the mileage and it's just, it's so overwhelming to be, you know, 21 days into something and think I still got to run 39 days and I've got to continue putting up 50 miles a day, which is extremely difficult. 
you know, I'm about getting hit by cars. Does anybody care? Um, just all kinds of crazy thoughts go through your head. And, you know, mentally, that was the toughest thing. Five, six times a day, I would want to quit. But for some reason, I, I didn't. And uh, I'm so happy that I didn't. That's Jason Romero, our guest today. More Mountain Meister coming up in a bit. But first, this episode is supported by the American Alpine Club. Join a network of over 16,000 climbers. Get exclusive discounts on your favorite gear. Go to AmericanAlpineClub.org and use the code MEISTER when you sign up for a special AAC gift. Also coming up in the first week of August is the Outdoor Retailer Trade Show. And what's becoming a tradition at Mountain Meister is our OR Gear Giveaway episode. We're doing it again this time around. Roommate Max will be on site hosting interviews with all the companies. Last year, we gave away over $5,500 in free gear. This year, we're trying to make it even bigger. Stay tuned for more information on how you can win this gear. All right. Now back to our interview with Jason Romero. Like I said, I had feelings of, you know, does this really matter? Uh, you know, I'm all alone out on this road and, you know, semis are about hitting me every, you know, five minutes. There were about 10 times when uh, cars came directly at me in the breakdown lane. I was running against traffic on a highway and, you know, they're mm-hmm. coming at you between 50 and 70 miles an hour. I think they're, you know, trying to scare you or something. They, they, move straight over, at you. they move over from the where they're supposed to be on the road? Yeah, they'd be in the regular lane of traffic. I'd be in the breakdown lane going against traffic. And they would switch into the breakdown lane and drive directly at me. And then they'd whip back into the regular lane of traffic right before they hit me. Oh, my God. And, um, yeah, was, I mean, you know, like 10 times out of, you know, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of cars that passed me, but... I came, you know, that, the first time that happened was in Arizona, and I was really shaked at that. I mean, I, I couldn't even walk. It's like when you get an accident, your legs are shaking. Mm. And I had to decide whether I was going to go on or not. And everything went through my mind. I said, you know, I had three kids. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't particularly want to die on this run. You know, that, that's not what this is about. But I came to a point of peace, and I said, you know, the only way I'm going to stop, this is a calling. And this is something I'm supposed to, this isn't a Jason wants to do it. This is Jason has been called to do it and you're supposed to do it, Jason. So I, I mentally switched over to either the only way this is stopping is if a bone is broken where I can't run, like my foot gets broken or, you know, something really bad happens. Other than that, though, you know, if there's just pain or tears or whatever, that's not stopping the run. Only something, you know, some physical barricade is going to stop it. And that's really what, you know, got me through a lot of the, the scary, scary moments because, um, you know, sometimes you run against traffic, you know, my sight's not good, but all I have is the white line and there's, you know, four semi trucks coming at you, you know, within, you know, a foot of killing you. And, um, you know, there's wind tunnels, you know, wind vacuums. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy stuff. I had animals chase me into the road. It was nuts. When you talk about this, I, I, forget that you are visually impaired. I just see you as a runner. What kind of impact did this have on other folks in the blind community? Uh, this run reached people all over the world in, you know, Brazil and Italy and China. Uh, every, you know, I could name off a gazillion countries and I get messages from folks telling me that, um, you know, they were, they were not sighted or they had somebody in their family that was not sighted. And this was an inspiration for them to keep going and to basically, get up off that couch or get up out of that bed and go try to do something forward. And that was beyond um, 
just incredible for me. The other thing as well, you know, I talked about my situation with a lot of folks being involuntarily retired or unemployed, um, having gone through depression um, and making sure that I'm staying healthy to try to stay out of that, uh, uh, you know, being becoming obese. And those are issues that plague the blind population. I had so many people who ran with me and talked to me about their own journeys. And this really served to help them. And, you know, I mean, although that was a, a dream, something I hoped of, it, it went far beyond what I had ever hoped. And that was just for the blind community, you know. Um, that's how I set out. This really, this run really affected, for some reason, uh, a lot of folks. So what advice do you have for, for our listeners who undertake or who want to undertake a big project of their own, whether that's running across the country or uh, somebody running their first 10K? The mind will quit before the body will quit. Hmm. You know, the body is an incredible machine. It can, what my body did and I experienced, I would not have believed it unless I experienced it myself. And other people went out and saw it happen. It's the same, same thing they said. They're like, I couldn't believe it unless I saw it. You know, I mean, there's times when you think you're going to be totally crippled or even me helping other runners, I would tell them take time off. I couldn't take time off and my body healed on the fly on its own. And it was, it was amazing. It could, at the beginning of the day, Ben, I would get up at 5 a.m. It would take me 45 minutes to get going where I could even stand. I mean, I would be hobbling. It's like somebody took a mallet or a hammer and just smashed my feet. I'd ice them up. Within uh, an hour and a half, I would be on the road. And for the next three hours, I would be shuffling. I mean, it was, it was painful to see because I'd try to, try to run. It would be a shuffle. And then it ended up being a walk. Tremendously frustrating. After three hours, things kind of loosened up and I could shuffle. And by two or three o'clock in the afternoon, I was running like I hadn't even taken a step. I could hit, you know, seven, eight minute miles. People would come out and catch me at the end of the day and want to run some miles with me. And I'd end up dropping them because I was moving so good. I mean, it's, un, it's unbelievable. And, you know, the, the, the other thing too, I'm sorry for going on so long, but the other big learning that I learned as part of this run in all those days of solitude and thinking is that, it's really fear and pain that hold us back. And pain is the present sensation that tells the body and tries to trick the mind into stopping. Um, but, but pain is temporary. You know, we've heard that cliche, and it really is temporary. Fear is when our mind plays tricks on us about what potentially could happen in the future, maybe potentially future pain. But it's pain and fear. And when we're aware of what those sensations are, we just accept, okay, this is a pain sensation. That's right, I'm going to go on. Or this is a fear sensation. I can have peace because that's something that hasn't even happened. I can stay in the present. That's really where I was able to hold it together as these different incidents would happen to me on really a daily basis. I would identify them as fear or pain factors and say, that's really what's driving this sensation or desire for me to want to quit. Okay, let's move on. You said you wanted to shatter, I remember this from our last interview, shatter people's expectations of what they think a blind person is capable of. Congratulations, Jason. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And, you know, I just put myself out there. I hope that you know, other people can see those types of things. And, you know, what's been really neat, too, is people have shared other articles with me. Google just hired a blind lawyer, totally blind lawyer, who walked in and, and uh interviewed with them and it talked about his journey of walking in as a blind person with a cane and, and he was thinking there's no way I'm ever going to get hired and you know he's a hero in my eyes because he stepped out there and he's 
overcoming exactly what you know I was trying to bring focus to. So I just you know I, I hold up all those heroes who stand up in the face of adversity and you know, keep moving forward in life. Find out more about the run, visionrunusa.com. Also more about Jason, relentlessromero.com. Links to both of these, of course, on our website, mtnmeister.com. Jason, thanks for joining us again. It's so fun to hear about how everything went. Cool. Thanks, man. Have a great one. Hey, hope you enjoyed this follow-up episode. Jason Romero, if you have any feedback, good or bad, let me know. Ben at mtnmeister.com. A lot of you have written to say that you want to hear what happens with the Meisters after we talked to them originally, you know, when they're talking about their big projects. Do they really follow through? In this case, yes, but in some cases, there's failures. Stay tuned for more follow-up episodes. Mountain Meister is supported by Big Agnes. Check out that brand spanking new Q-Core SLX sleeping pad. Lighter, tougher, easier to inflate and deflate. It packs smaller, it sleeps warmer. Take 20% off of your purchase with the code MEISTER at BigAgnes.com. We're also supported by your purchases of the Mountain Meister t-shirt, which is specifically designed to be one of your favorites. It's that shirt that when you reach into your drawer, your hand for some reason grabs it. Buy one today, MTNMeister.com. As usual, I hope you enjoy doing the rest of whatever you do while you listen to the podcast that explores the minds of those who explore. Until next time, I'm your host, Ben Shank. You've been listening to Mountain Meister. Mountain Meister.